Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I want to begin tonight uh, with The Rancid Morality of Clarence Thomas. Ooh, let's talk about him, shall we? The despicable smugness of his oozing corruption. There's no way that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas should have any role in deciding anything involving the 2020 election. He should not be allowed in the room if they're discussing anything involving the 2020. He should not be able to be near the copy machine if they're photocopying anything relating to the 2020 election. Clarence Thomas is our longest-serving justice. He was appointed by a president who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act, a one-term president who hired Clarence Thomas to undo the legacy of Thurgood Marshall. He's the one remaining justice on the court who joined the 5-4 Bush v. Gore majority, the most blatant act of partisan corruption in the history of our court, where he seated the son of the president who appointed him. That's how corrupt he is. And then there's Citizens United. Remember Citizens United, which pretty much said corporations are people and can spend all the money they want and be unaccountable and corporations have more speech than you and there's no such thing as bribery anymore. It's not money. It's speech. And after ruling on that, he and his buddy Scalia would show up at retreats sponsored by Coke Industries, which was, of course, the corporation run by these two brothers, big GOP donors, who helped finance some of the new GOP groups that were founded after the ruling. He was being rewarded for being a good little German by the American fascists. Now you'd think, okay, well, geez, Thomas, you're, you're not very impartial here. How can, how can you go to a political strategy meeting sponsored by a private corporation that raises and spends millions of dollars to be Democrats and, and put Republicans in office? How can, how, how can you do that, Clarence Thomas? How can you still be on the Supreme Court and take gifts like that? How can you still be on the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, when your wife was the founder of Liberty Central, which is a conservative group that has a big anonymous conservative donor basis. How can you have such conflicts of interest? Clarence Thomas and his wife, Jenny, who, as you guys know, she still believes that Donald Trump should be reinstated. 
She still believes that Donald Trump is the president. She still believes Joe Biden stole the election. And Clarence Thomas gets to decide cases involving the investigation into that election. Jimmy Thomas, Clarence Thomas's charming wife, she was at the rally before the terrorist attack on our Capitol. Clarence Thomas voted to keep Trump White House documents about January 6th a secret. His wife was messaging with Donald Trump's chief of staff during the attack on January 6th. And Clarence Thomas voted to keep Trump White House documents about January 6th secret. Didn't have to recuse himself. And John Roberts, how does he respond? Why are people so mean to my court? And today, Thomas is the one who saved Senator Lindsey Graham from a subpoena about his role in trying to throw out the votes of Americans in the state of Georgia. Now, once again, Lindsey Graham doesn't live in Georgia. But remember, back in 2020, how he called the Georgia Secretary of State and pretty much asked him to commit election fraud. In a stunning act of corruption today, Justice Thomas unilaterally gave Lindsey Graham what he wanted to shield him from testifying into the probe into the illegal efforts to steal the 2020 election in Georgia. Lindsey Graham's on the phone trying to commit a crime. Justice Clarence Thomas today blocked him from having a subpoena. The subpoena comes from the great Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis. Lindsey's been fighting for months to not have to give testimony under oath. He's been fighting the subpoena, which would require him to just show up and tell the truth in the investigation into Donald Trump's corruption. It's not even an investigation into Lindsey Graham's acts. It's an investigation into Trump. And Lindsey doesn't want to show up. Now, he hasn't clarified on why he doesn't think he should have to show up. He said he was only making the call as part of his own research on voting to certify the election January 6th. He hasn't said why he doesn't think he should go. But today, Clarence Thomas, our most corrupt justice, blocked Lindsey Graham's testimony. So what we're talking about here is a justice who shouldn't be serving on the Supreme Court is corruptly covering for a senator who shouldn't be serving in the U.S. Senate. This is three days after Lindsay asked the Supreme Court to stay the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals' unanimous decision that required him to just respond to the subpoena. But you know the thing about Republicans in our Congress and subpoenas, they don't think they have to answer them. Clarence Thomas acted alone. His position as justice has him covering this region. Lawrence Tribe tweeted out, Justice Thomas violated uh, 28 U.S.C. 455, requiring any justice to recuse when his or her impartiality might reasonably be questioned or his or her spouse is known by the justice to have an interest that could be substantially affected by the outcome. Clarence Thomas knows it's corrupt. He knows it's not legal for him to do this. He doesn't care because Republicans know they're not going to pay a price. You know what you call political actors who hold their own members responsible for their corruption? You call them Democrats. Thomas has been called on to recuse himself from so many cases related to the election because of his wife texting back and forth with a warped, despicable concept of what Christianity is. Again, there is nothing remotely Christian about this Republican Party. They are the opposite of everything that book they pretend to follow teaches. And it's good Clarence Thomas did this today to remind us all that it was six corrupt teabags who took away human rights for millions of Americans as we now sit just a little over two weeks before Election Day. You know, John Roberts doesn't like people questioning the integrity of his court. Why why would you question the integrity of my court? You know, don't like our rulings, fine, but don't question our integrity. No, the burden's on you, Judge, 
the burden's on you to reestablish that integrity. You're Supreme Court will never have integrity after Republicans stole a seat from the only black president after Antonin Scalia died. Republicans refused to fill the seat for nearly a year. Mitch McConnell decided to change the number of Supreme Court justices from nine to eight for one year, saying Americans deserve to vote for who they wanted to hire as the next justice. That was the argument. Never happened before. No such thing. They call it the Biden rule. It doesn't exist. But of course, to prove that they are godless, craven prostitutes of sin. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg suddenly died, Republicans refused to allow Americans the right to vote for who they wanted to replace her. That's why we don't respect you, John Roberts, because respect is earned. And John Roberts, like the rest of the Republican Party, cares only about himself. The only difference is John Roberts cares about his place in history. Most of these people don't think that far in advance. Now, this ruling today is a temporary stay. Supreme Court may act in the case again later this week. They may rule that Lindsey Graham has to testify. But don't forget, don't forget who it was that covered for Lindsey Graham's corruption. He's not a suspect in any case. It was just a subpoena to talk about Trump. Fannie Willis now has until Thursday to convince the Supreme Court why Lindsey Graham should have to respond to the grand jury. What we need is a federal investigation into Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas and his wife. And we need to understand the reason why Lady Justice wears a blindfold is so she doesn't have to watch Clarence Thomas openly wag his junk at her. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm so excited for this next guest. Um, a couple of, of uh, months ago, I was for a walk in Central Park with a good friend of mine who is First Nations, and she was collecting all of these different herbs uh, to use in the kitchen. And I just was like, right here in, in Central Park, you can just do that? You can just come here and, and, and get seasoning? It seems rather foreign, but really, it's a rather historically recent concept that we are not out there in our local environments getting things for the kitchen. August, um, autumn is approaching its peak, and right now, there is plenty to eat out there, whether you know it or not. Lisa Rose is an herbalist and a forager with a background in anthropology and a professional focus in community health. Um, she has previously written quite a bit about foraging um, for medicines in the, uh, in the Midwest, uh, the book is Midwest Medicinal Plants, but she is an herbalist and her career has included work in the Napa Valley to the Great Lakes. What I found fascinating about her new book, it's called Urban Foraging. It's a very, very smart, well-written and valuable guide to wildcrafting in the city 
and beyond. It's a seasonal planner. It details which plants are available during every season. It's very thorough. It's very comprehensive. It's very safe. And it's incredibly fascinating to think that city dwellers can actually forage edible plants. I think it's political. I think it's spiritual. And it's incredibly smart. Lisa Rose, welcome. Thanks for having me tonight, John. Thank, Thank you. you. It's really a pleasure. Let me make sure I'm not double-tracked here. Um, I, I, you know, it's amazing looking at your book. It's like every city is full of wild food. You just need to know where to go to find it. And I, I'm curious, was this always a passion for you? I, I think, you know, I have a, uh, across my existence, I've always been curious, uh, you know, wherever I am, just paying attention, open my eyes to you know, the, the built environment, the world around me. And I think that, especially for us in the city, we tend to see mostly concrete and the cacophony around us, the noise, the people. We, we sometimes actually dull our senses, right? Because there's so yes. much around us. And you mentioned being in Central Park. And urban foraging really is to help us pause and and reconsider and, and open our eyes to what's immediately in front of us because the natural world has so many gifts for us to appreciate, enjoy, and 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 share with one another. So that's that's my hope with the book. And um, may my curiosity continue into the next decades of my life. Well, that's what I found fascinating because I, I find this book to be a lot of things that uh, progressives talk about. And, you know, I can tell from reading that you, you are someone who's very connected to nature and you're very connected to understanding the health benefits nature can have on a human being. A book like this is Big Farmer's Worst Nightmare to me. But it, it is true that, you know, really being disproportionately removed from our food source is kind of a historically recent phenomena. It's really only the last 100, 150 years that we don't really get food that naturally comes from where we live. It is. And, you know, the advent of industrialization, uh, the globalization of the, the food chain, I think that, you know, 400 years ago, expanding those global trade networks, you know, colonization and, you know, the, the spice routes. And, and really, I think we've got a lots of history on uh, that's led up to this. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, now too, we're only a few generations removed of knowing how to prepare and, and can foods, you know, for the winter time, for the winter seasons. Right. And so it's, it, the, the knowledge that we've, we've lost in such a short time, it's, it's, it's really confounding. And then I feel like people are, are craving to refine that knowledge, which I think is honestly fun, engaging, and tastes good too. Yeah. Yeah. I live with an urban gardener and uh, it's pretty addicting once people get into it. I mean, 200 years ago, you know, we all had indigenous ingredients in our food based on where we live. The book's kind of a time machine in, in that way. Um, you know, foraging for food is it's it's a real skill and it's something that our human forebears had to get good at to survive for thousands yeah. of generations i mean you say humans co-evolved with everything around us mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sadly we we drive past you know pull out of our driveways walk down the street past all of the fallen acorns and you know i what i love is seeing the delight in people's eyes when i say you know you can you can process those acorns grind them into flour and make mm -hmm. a really nice 
you know, flourless, uh, wheat flourless, uh, acorn bread and or add bananas or, you know, That's play right. around with the recipe. Right. And I learned and a lot from one. that. Yeah. Acorn. Now, but you recommend like the acorn bread on its own. Let's let's go deep now. The acorn bread on mm-hmm. its own, like Lord of the Rings, elvish bread. It's kind of dense. Right. You, you recommend <laughs> blending it with uh, another kind of flour beyond wheat. I, you know, I, I think that if you're, if you know how to blend flowers, that's, that's, a, I think, a, a valid starting point to use because the acorn flower is a nut flower, essentially, right? So once you process the, the acorns in a, in a water bath to leach out the tannins and the bitterness, you can dehydrate the nuts and grind it into a nut flower. That's not going to rise like your, you know, the Italian gluten heavy croissants, pastries, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) It's not the same. And if you're going into it with that expectation, it's not going to go well. You'll be very disappointed. (laughs) But I think that, you know, so having some working knowledge, I think, of the different flour types, how it performs in different recipes. And then, you know, frequently just from um, when I'm working with a a broad uh, just a, a my broader community i really want people to enjoy what they're eating and you know i i've made hard tack for my family <laughs> they tolerate <laughs> they tolerate some of my baking endeavors i don't i don't identify as a, as a baker honestly we'll just put that out there <laughs> it's very but, brave you know you. so yeah 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 so like i will mix it you know with a gluten-free flour one-to-one um again to make it it's a gateway to understanding how these non seemingly non-traditional foods they're very traditional can get reintroduced in yeah. our everyday cooking right it doesn't and, have and, to be you know hot, full bore all the things all organic from the woods and fields and whatnot you can slowly right. incorporate these you can incorporate it yeah and and, yeah. and big pharma and big agra can't do anything about it the you know the modern system can't do anything to stop us from incorporating uh local ingredients into our cuisine the way our, all of our ancestors did and there's such a sense i love the, the democratization of that knowledge and and reestablishing it as um, the base back to the basics. I think for me, you know, my kids now are, are teenagers, one in college and one in high school. Um, raising them, knowing how to make chicken soup from scratch, knowing you know, knowing how to make the teas and all the tinctures from scratch. Um, you know, knowing how to do some gardening. You know, I'm I'm from Flint, Michigan, and my mom, you know, in childhood, we had a a, a garden simply out of necessity in, yeah. you know, economic downturn. And I was lucky enough to have a family that knew how to do that, right? So that generational knowledge was passed down to me. And right. my kids, they would argue sometimes that lucky them, <laughs> they too know how to uh, convert the acorns into bread. So it's, 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 a, it's a good empowering skill to have. Yeah. I mean, my God, to say we don't know who's going to win the next election, but we might all need survival skills like this. And in in the book, Urban Foraging, you go through how to find, identify, harvest and cook with 50 common wild plants, even if you live in a city. And it's I mean, for mulberry, there's a pie. You you make a risotto out of out of nettles. And, And I wanted to ask you, for those who are just beginning and everyone should read your book. But what are some of the basic rules for safe foraging right. if you live in an urban environment. Right. So urban foraging, I really want it to be a framework uh, 
so a city dweller could go through some of the thinking and decision logic that you really should consider if you're gathering, you know, in an urban environment. And you mentioned safety. First and foremost, yes. plant identification is an absolute must, right? So don't <laughs> yes. just take my book, but also validate your your findings, you know, in mm -hmm. the in the forests and the woods and fields with multiple other sources. Just I mean these plants that I've vet, you know, generally can be found across all of our urban areas in, in the north in the, in the United States, but that doesn't mean they all show up as they're identified in the book, right? So there's right. there's that responsibility to verify, trust but verify, always, always, always before you put it in your mouth. Um, secondly, <laughs> as you put it, you put it in the book, you, you you I think in the book you say if you don't know what it is, don't put it in your mouth, which is. I, I think it's good advice for city dwellers <laughs> every day, but yeah, that's very true. That's just the basic one, right? right. Uh, secondarily is, is the landscape itself. Uh, you know, I mentioned Flint. Um, you know, any of our areas heavily industrialized have legacy chemicals, you know, PCBs, you know, PFAS is a big thing here in Michigan. You know, it's lead contamination. Urban gardeners, we soil test, right? Generally, which we, it's a good practice before building our beds, raised beds or otherwise. Forager, you know, you're not gonna drive around in the city with a van with a bunch of scientific equipment. One, you'd be a little creepy if you did do that. But but mm -hmm. two, that, that equipment's quite expensive, right? And the common person doesn't have access to that, that type of um, on-the-fly testing. So knowing, again, some just a framework to consider, what's the history of the land? What's upstream? You know, am, am I right. downstream from, you know, a, a dairy farm potentially? Am I downstream, not always in the city, but definitely from a, a watershed perspective, things to consider. Right. Municipal water treatment plants, um, downstream, you know, from a paint factory, you know, active or otherwise. So these questions for me, I, you know, are, are just data points, right? And help inform me um, if I should consider snacking on the crab apples or not. And generally, and then that, that segues also into um, private property, municipal park rules, um, and right, then also plant course. sustainability, right? So then there's some basic just rules for gathering. Um, and, you know, I think something that that plant sustainability piece of it, not everybody, you know, if everybody goes and uses Central Park as their grocer, their green grocer, that's not going to work out well for the park. Exactly. Right? So we exactly. have, yeah, so we have to really consider. And what I've found in my career worked in concert with our parks and rec staff to help create an education platform of how we can um, establish and 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 grow our shared spaces, and then also build out our urban gardens and, and additional green space, right? How do we increase the green canopy so we have that increase of biodiversity to, to start to support our populations in the urban areas? And you, there's a very useful segment at the top of the book, the, the, the more or less the terminology of various botany basics to help people really understand. I, I got to say, I, I never imagined, but parts of pine trees can be consumed, right? They are very delicious in, you know, the early summer with the new pine tips. 
there's just, yes, I am somebody that walks around and snacks on trees. Like you have to be confident to be seen with me in public because (laughs) invariably I might taste the spruce trees and the pine tips, but the pine fresh, a a lemon fresh flavor that you can use um, as a culinary herb, you know, you can whip it into butter. You can use, um, of course, if you have like a pine tree with branches, fallen branches, um, and you have the, uh, the, the access to a wood shop, you can saw those planks and use those for, for grilling, which is amazing for light fleshed uh, fish, like white fish. Um, and you can also use the pine tips for brewing in the second fermentation in a lager style beer um, or a light ale type beer. It can help add a little bit of zest and um, bright citrus notes in, in that brewing. So yes, love the pine species. I have so many dumb questions to ask you. You've no idea. None of them are dumb. None of them are dumb. Okay. In your experience, what do people get wrong about uh, consuming wild berries? That all of them will kill you. Okay. Yes. I think that is the default. I think there's there's a lot of, there is a lot of, we've had multiple generations of, I think, um, the cultivation of a, a fear of nature, thinking everything will kill you. You shouldn't put it all in your mouth but it won't all kill you dead, right? right? And I think that reestablishing that baseline of um, you know, when to call poison control and when it's just not gonna go well for you, I think reestablishing some common uh, thought logic is, is a piece to that. So all berries won't kill you. Um, I think that establishing the, the identification of the berries is, is, is prudent, right? Um, knowing at what time the berries are going to be ripe helps with that identification and the location, right? Again, these are all data points that can validate if this is edible or not. It's, it's, it's not a hidden secret. It's not, um, mysterious. It's certainly, I feel that, um, the, the botany basics on the upfront of my book is meant to help again, democratize. Yes. Um, plants for people. It doesn't have to be, I mean, Latin, knowing the Latin names and the multiple genus and species, that absolutely is important, but it doesn't need to be a barrier to entry, right? And getting to right. understand what plants grow where and, you know, certainly berries. Again, though, if you don't know what it is, don't put it in your mouth. And we have so many different resources to help validate those, those berries, but don't be afraid to learn more and to get to know what one is what and, and what tastes best in either a pie or a margarita. And, and I know that, you know, obviously you can, you can forage all year long and some seasons are better than others. And obviously the Pacific Northwest will be very different than mm-hmm. Minneapolis or Boston. But I'm curious, how weather dependent is urban foraging? Like after a storm, say, could you, what, what, what would someone who lives in a city search for? I love that you asked that um, and referenced the storms. I, you know, it's the weather Im- imparts a flavor or removes flavor. It's just you know similar to being a gardener, right? I watch the weather, especially those summer storms that will come through. And if I want to harvest flowers, let's say roses, you know, I'll watch the weather like a surfer would watch the weather for waves. I got to get out right. there and get those flowers in before they just get trashed, right? From a, a summer storm in June. Um, similarly, you know, a, a big windstorm can bring down tree branches that I might be able to, you know, just gather 
and process for, you know, a bitters tincture or a, a massage salve, you know, or I, again, it's like the weather can help drive that gathering knowledge across the season. <laughs> How do your kids, your teenagers feel about your foraging ways? I'm fascinated. Uh, I, I'm, I have, I'm lucky enough that my kids are amazing. Okay. There have been touch and go moments. Uh, the first uh, one of the first foraging books I'd done with Timber Press, Midwest Foraging, uh, came out in 2015. And my son, teenager at the time, so channel your inner 13 year old, uh, farmer's market, his his selling statement uh, for the book was, please buy my mother's book so we don't have to eat from the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> so kid but gets now, it, kid gets it. <laughs> Right. Uh, or make, I, I could never tell if he was serious. I, you know, there was, there was, there was, there was a loaded statement I, I felt from my, <laughs> my son in that same year. Um, I remember pulling up to his, and I have to actually do this pretty soon because it's walnut season, pulling up to his middle school. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Jacob, that walnut tree, those walnuts are ready. We got to get them before the squirrel gets them. And I remember like I pulled into I was just going to do the drop off and pick up. Right? I was going to do the drive by, but then I angled to pull in, and Jacob saw that I was reaching for my foraging bag, and he's like, <laughs> "Oh, oh, <laughs> same child, thirteen, absolute horror coming over his face." I climb out of the car, and I'm like, "Dude, no one else is going to get these walnuts." If not the squirrel, if not us, it's the squirrels. He's like, exactly. That's the problem. <laughs> Nobody else is going after these walnuts. So this one, though, now is um, has, has spent the past uh, summer season leading back backcountry trail guiding um, out in Montana. It's great. Um, I, I challenge him to consider how to increase access to the natural world for others. Again, you know, my commitment to working in my cities is to really make that connect that not everybody gets to go to Glacier National Park for sure. a trip. Well, There's privilege in, in but, access to nature. That's why the book is amazing. There's so much in here to help people reconnect with nature as members of the same ecosystem about gardening, not just for food, but for, for mental clarity, for fun, for relaxation. And it goes deep into the environmental and, and psychological influences on mental health and well-being. The author is Lisa Rose. The book is Urban Foraging. I'm going to say this. It is one of the most political books I have ever read. And I thank you so much for joining us tonight. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Miss Handsome, I'm going to be really ready for these midterms to be over. Can I say that? Uh, I, I, I am. Uh, I have really lost lost almost faith in our system, uh, John, because uh, Biden has not rewarded his base, the people who got him over that 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 mark. He has not rewarded us. He has given uh, attention to everybody else. And uh, I now I feel like they are importing. They are actually importing voters, you know, into the into this country. What do you and, mean importing and, voters into the country? What is that? That sounds like something I hear on Fox News. What do you mean importing voters? Well, well, I well, when when people who are undocumented or who have entered the, the country legally or, or illegally or not not uh, documented or vetted are given food, clothing, shelter when okay, American yeah. citizens need food, clothing, shelter and jobs and us uh, and resources. We are sorely lacking in. These I understand things. that. I mean, but those people aren't able to vote like uh, undocumented immigrants. No. I mean, p- only only citizens are able to vote. There's not it's a problem with illegal voting. Citizens in this are able to vote, except those it's people worse. where people are working to give them the vote, John. They're, they're, it's worse they, than you thought, Rhonda. It was ahead, turned. Chris. I think it was turned down in in uh, New York City. But I mean, even the idea of floating the idea of people who are not citizens being able to vote, but and no, these no. are the people who will not be supporting the people, my black people, who who built this country, built the built the nation, built the capital, who were actually currency in this country, walking in okay, and taking let me, let me resources back. that me, really me, should go to let us. Let me push back on you on this, because it is possible to fight for the needs of black Americans while also being humane to refugees and immigrants, undocumented and documented, who come to the country. Not saying I'm not I want to take. Argue with you I'm not, on that I'm not job, arguing for preferential treatment for. Not, I'm not is, arguing for preferential treatment for for any group, but it is. What what should Joe Biden do uh, to reward? Because I agree with you. I mean, look, black women keep saving democracy all the time. But you know, I, I, I just want to point out we got this infrastructure bill that's creating lots of jobs. The the PACT Act is bringing lots of jobs and really undercutting China with tech. You have he's decriminalizing weed on the federal level. He's forgiving half the student loan debt in America, and that's helping a lot of people of all backgrounds. We had the lowest child poverty rate in the entire country's history for for one year. I mean, he's put a black woman on the Supreme Court. Nine million new jobs, the fastest drop in unemployment of all time. I know all of this isn't specifically help the african-american base that put him over the top but what should he what could he with this congress specifically do to thank this base and show his appreciation say that he's working for reparations right on i agree with protected that. class status for black people like we're still being killed like like crazy in, in i the agree streets. with that too and uh and, and say that you know it, it is time to to recognize that we have lost generational wealth forever and we need being repaired, that we have had land taken away from us that was sanctioned by courts for our land to be taken away, to be put underwater. I mean, Absolutely. and, and people I agree still with come up saying. with this bootstrap mythology when we when our boots are taken away from us and, and thrown in the, in the, in the right. nearest lake. 
And you know, the bootstrap thing originally came from Teddy Roosevelt because he was mocking the whole concept. Like, it's physically impossible to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Teddy Roosevelt said that to mock that whole, you know, rich person aesthetic that poor people have got to fight their way out of poverty. Um, and yet somehow the evil people just associate, just, just incorporated it and just just keep on pushing it. Uh, and it doesn't well, work. Well, that's it's another never thing worked. our country is very good at is, is turning these these phrases, you know, into in, into hostilities against the suffering. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the, the way woke has been, you know, demonized is is horrendous oh, when, when we woke. really need to be be awake now. Our country exactly. is like in some kind of crazy tailspin. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I mean, woke is just every generation finds a way to smear kindness. You notice this? When I was a kid, they they called it bleeding heart liberals. I'm like bleeding heart, like Jesus. You mean? And then they made it uh, politically correct. Like, oh, you trying to use language so I'm less dickish than who came before, just being a kinder. And then it became social justice warriors. That was how they put people down. I'm like, oh, like like Jesus. And and then it became uh, snowflakes. <laughs> And, and now, and now it's uh, it's woke, which three years ago was a term that meant anti-racist. Now it's a term racist used to smear the very concept of being anti-racist. It's things we're, like these fake Christians. Every generation, they they come up with a new way to smear people who are trying to just be basic, decent humans. I I don't know why we do that, John. We ha- if we don't become better people very soon, we are in a tailspin. We I I, I, I mean, are these crazy uh, women who are in 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 the, uh, the legislature are being floated as possible vice presidential material? I mean, I, I'm, I'm uh, this is crazy. DeSantis, the even DeSantis is being oh, I know. touted. Oh, more than t- uh, more than touted. A, a more He's sophisticated been... Trump. We we more really than... don't need that. No, listen. The old, the only re- the Republican Party in D.C. has decided it's going to be DeSantis. The only thing they have to worry about is that Trump hasn't decided that yet. I'm I'm hoping that's the civil war I'm actually hoping for. Let me go back to the phones. Myron in uh, North Carolina. Hello. Is it Myron in North Carolina? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. Um. Yeah, no, I, you know, just to bring back, um, just to bring back that point about, you know, like Republicans, uh, you know, I, I think Democrats, right, I think we're too nice, right, or liberals okay. in general, I think we're too nice, like, right, so like, you know, Trump can get on, get on, get on stage and say all these racist things, he knows what he needs to do to wild up his base, right? Yes. And, you know, I, I agree with Michelle Obama and all that other stuff, you know, we, we, we need to, uh, what, uh, not turn the other cheek, but like, uh, when they go when low, they go we, low go we go high. But yeah. we, they go low, we go high, yet they keep winning, right? So there, there's, there's got to be some, uh, I don't know, we, in my opinion, Democrats just need to get tougher. Like, you know, we, we need to be the party that's always, you know. No, I want to uh, see alpha liberals. Yeah, I want to see alpha libs. I want to see people like... Uh, I, I, I don't know, like like Sherrod Brown. I want to see liberals out there who are not here for the bullshit. I want to see liberals like Rhonda Hansom who will strike fear into these right-wingers. I want right-wingers to be terrified of liberals and their army of trolls coming after them because you can still fight for kindness. You can still fight for decency. You can fight for justice and health care and women's rights and, and, and for being decent to immigrants and migrants. You know, you can fight for all those things um, and, and really fight, like not just come here with uh, the nice moral slogan to the knife fight. 
and I think uh, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want them to be scared of us, but like at the same time, I, I do. Like, you know, they, 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 <laughs> they need they need to take they need to take Democrats seriously, and and that's a that's a big problem with us. And, I want to be terrified. I know, like I, I, you know, I register as Democrat, but you know, I didn't vote like uh, the whatever election Trump was uh, elected. And, in 2016, in North Carolina, you didn't vote. No, but I I voted every election afterwards because, like, you start you you start to realize, right? You're like, oh my god, like, I mean, these, you know, we we said like Kyle Trump's not going to win. He's too he's too right wing. He's too racist. He's too this. He's too that. Yeah. And guess what happened? He won. So he won. for me, it's going to be about mobilizing young people like me. To actually go out there, make it to the That's polls, and, and actually vote. That's the only way. And to Florida, change it. 2000, Florida two thousand proves that every vote matters, uh, especially in a swing state like swing state like yours. You know, uh, if you're in a swing state, really, I'm sorry to say, uh, you have a bit more responsibility than people in a solid red or solid blue state because it's eight states that'll decide who the next president is. And in the meantime, you know, if you want to have a Senate that actually fights for non millionaires, you, you got to show up in big numbers uh, and, and vote. So I, I'm I'm glad you're uh, voting this year, Myron. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, midterms, hope to get, you know, win, pick up some seats in the Senate. I, and to her point, when uh, was, uh, the previous caller, when it was like, uh, you know, um, what has he really done for us? Well, what, you know, what can he do? I mean, we, we have a simple majority in the Senate, and if we can't get all the Democrats together to vote on something, we can't pass anything. It takes two houses, right? It takes the yeah, yeah, House and, and I agree with you. But to, but to, so. but to, Ron, to Rhonda's point, like, I'd like to see Biden, you know, uh, after the midterms maybe, come out and talk about reparations and why it's mor- moral. And I'd like to see it for descendants of slaves and descendants of uh, the First Nations people who are ethnically cleansed out of this country. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, Let me go to Beachside Bill. You've been on hold forever, sir. Thank you. Hey John, good evening. How's good it evening. going? It's going Great. well. Great, how are here. you? Hello. Doing well. I'm just I was just checking my Powerball numbers. How you I doing? didn't win the Powerball, so I'm so huh? sorry. I'm so sorry you didn't win. I know. Yeah, six hundred twenty five million, but we'll see tomorrow. Well, I, keep, I got keep, one. Keep trying. Number, but keep, I keep I'm so trying. frustrated at losing I'm gonna go out and spend my kids' whole college fund on scratch off games. You you gotta win some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I was calling about uh, 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 the governor's de- de- debate tonight, and what what these Republicans need to do is they need to own up and and quit being Joe uh, Joe Biden's personal ATM. They think Joe Biden's their ATM, and, and they and they don't fucking admit to it. Mm. Uh, DeSantis said something about it tonight. Charlie Chris brought it up with the uh, with bringing uh, sending the refugees up to Martha's Vineyard, right? Yeah, and he mentioned it quickly. I wish he expounded on it more, Charlie Crist. He could have. He could have really got. I thought he spoke I, really I, powerfully. I, th- I thought he nailed it. He took his time. Listen, I, I haven't watched the whole debate. I've only heard clips. And Ron DeSantis had a couple of zingers he had prepared as well. But from everything I've heard, Charlie Crist just mopped the floor with him by not trying to beat him. He just stayed calm, and he focused on the facts and the morality. Every, I mean, we played five clips in the debate tonight, and honestly, yeah. I've never been so impressed with Charlie Crist as I was this evening. Me neither, and I've lived here all my life, and and, and I voted for him. But I, you know, in, in when he was governor, I forget who was running against him. But uh, the thing about uh, Charlie Crist was he attacked uh, several. He made several references to abortion right to yes. his face, yeah. and that will that will stand out because that women women will hear that people will hear that because oh yeah, and he and he brought it up on the fly too. It wasn't they must have drilled it into his head to. Abortion, 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 and followed Val Demings. What do you think? I think every Democrat who's running for office this year is focusing on that, but they can't focus on just abortion. You know, the the media likes to yeah. say, oh, there's abortion fatigue. No one cares anymore. That's a lot of rubbish. People cared. People didn't care when it first happened and dropped off. The media seems to think Americans just have no convictions whatsoever. Uh, I, I think it's important, You, but I, I think the media is the bad guy in all this, because I really do, because the media is not asking the tough questions. Number one, the media should be highlighting all the time uh, where in the Bible does it say to put women in jail for abortion? Where in the Bible does it say you should force poor women to have greater poverty by banning abortion? Where in the Bible does it say that a teenage girl should be forced by the government to carry her rapist's child to term? Like, the media is not asking the tough questions. They should say, you want it, You think it's murder? Then, then tell us. A woman is raped and becomes pregnant and terminates the pregnancy. Rank. Who deserves the longest jail sentence in order? The rapist, the doctor, the woman. The media should be forcing Republican politicians to answer these questions because, honestly, they never get asked them. They skate by. And it's this de facto moron society where, well, I'm I'm against abortion rights, and that means I'm Christian. And that means I can go vote against everything the Bible actually talks about. And it's bullshit, and it's bad for us, and it's not Christian, it's not patriotic, and the media likes to have— they're ready-made villains. They don't want to ask hard questions. And I don't know how many, uh, how much suffering it's going to take. But, um, you know, the media is not liberal. There are liberal journalists, but the media is terrified of being called liberal. And that's why they won't ask hard questions of Republicans. And I learned this working in corporate cable news. If you ask the tough questions and it embarrasses the Republican guests, they will not come back on your show. And the, I'm sorry, but most TV news prizes access over information. Well, they're two-faced and they're fucking cowards. These people, they, 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 you know, they can't take. They, you, you insult them, and 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 they run and hide, and and they, they, they insult you more. They'll insult you back, and 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 it, 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 it it's, it's insulting to my intelligence that I have a governor who, who, who just uh, hates children. I mean, I, I, I think he just hates children. I don't know how he has his own, but I, he hates children. He cannot. They can't wear masks. 
understanding him. Like Charlie Chris pointed that out too, which is another good thing, you know. Yep. And and the COVID deaths. And remember Rebecca Jones. He should have brought up Rebecca Jones right to his face. Why did you fire that woman? You know. The, oh, I know. I would have loved that. I would have loved. And I want Rebecca Jones to be very, very famous. But he did bring up when Charlie Chris went after those kids who were on stage wearing masks and and, and like. Uh, DeSantis yeah. has kind of berated them and said, take those masks off, take those masks off. It's just theater. It's yeah. just theater. And it's like, no, you dumb motherfucker. You don't know how many of those kids have immunity issues or their families do, or they've had COVID. And they're trying to keep other kids safe. Ron DeSantis telling those kids, those masks are just theater on camera yeah. was theater. It was done for the cameras. It was done for the audience. And no one paid attention to the contents of his speech. All the media covered him putting down these children for having the empathy to yeah. try and wear a mask during a plague. Yeah, and fudging the numbers as well. The whole thing is just, you know, well, we'll see in two weeks, right? It's two weeks. We'll two, see. Well, it's almost tomorrow, right? Two weeks, right? And, and again, see. if Ron DeSantis becomes our next president, let me tell you, man, he's going to be sorry he ever ran for office. He will leave office as despised as the last two, Repu- the last three Republican presidents were when they yeah. left office. Exactly. And that's how it is. Exactly. We'll see. Bill, we shall thank see. you for the call, man. Thank you. Thank you. 